Welcome to Live the Dream. That name in itself tells you what the program is all about. It's about knowing not only about what you don't want, but finding out how to define and live the life that you do want. Now, here's your host, Karen Dillon, and co-hosts, Marissa Marseille and Tom Pearson. Hello, everyone. This is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. So today we're going to be talking about the number one reason why people uh, succeed in life and the number one reason that people don't because it's exactly the same, right? Because we all want to have a good life, a life that we desire that actually fulfills our desires, creates happiness for us, creates, uh, makes us feel successful. Um, Yet many of us find ourselves living lives that are far from it. Um, Some people, you know, make a lot of effort, try their best, yet they find themselves struggling all the time. Other people find that pretty, uh, that the path isn't all that difficult. So, you know, if you think about it, like most of us want to be, most of us want to have money, right? We want to have enough money or maybe even more than enough money to fulfill all the needs and desires that we have. And we also want to have the most uh, amount of free time to enjoy our life. And obviously, you know, we, we know that the way to have that is to have some sort of a business or investment properties or things that will throw off money without us working all the time, right? Yet, the majority of the population, the vast majority of the population works as employees, trading time for money. Or they start a business and now the business takes over their life. Okay, that's really not what they started off doing. Yet, year after year after year, uh, they struggle like that, never really achieving the types of things that they want. Because even though the thing is, it's not that we don't know what is going to give us the life that we want. We know there's a certain type of way to run a business that um, works on other people's money, other people's time. You build an asset that throws off income uh, so that you have free time and you have, um, you know, lots of money. Um, And it applies not just in business or in money, it applies across the board. We also know if you want to have a good, you know, what are the two things to do to have a good fit body? Eat right and exercise. We all know that. Yet there's millions of DVDs, books, and TV shows on eating right and exercising. Why? Right? And the reason is that just knowing something isn't enough. Okay? Because we might even know what we have to do, yet there is one thing that stops us from getting what we want. Okay? And what is that one thing? That one thing is your brain. That's it. It's your brain. Right? It is what will either help you achieve what you want, or it is something that will stop you from getting what you want. So the question then is, what about the brain is this, right? What is it that helps us and what is it that stops us? So in order to understand that, let's just take a look at the brain real quick and ask a simple question, which is how much of the brain is the conscious part? You know, the things that we actually have control over, the things where we make decisions from, where we think from, okay? Most experts agree that about 10% of the brain is the conscious part of the brain, okay? So if 10% is the conscious part, what about what is the rest? Well, if you said unconscious, that's not really true because unconscious is when you have too much to drink on a Saturday and you pass out, right? That's unconscious. So the truth is that if 10% of the brain is the conscious part, the rest of it, which is 90%, is really something called the subconscious, right? So the subconscious part of the brain is... It's something that controls a lot of our life. Obviously, it's 90% of our brain, but we don't have direct control over it. Okay? So, 
it's essentially the part of our brain that controls our habits. You know, so if you think about what is a habit, a habit is something that we do without really thinking about it. Right? Without it's something we're so used to doing, we've done it so many times that we don't have to think about it, yet we can just do it just fine. Right? A great example of this is like driving a car. When we were learning how to drive a car, right, we really had to think really hard. We had to like, oh, how do I put this, how much should I turn the wheel to take this turn? Or, you know, how much brake, how much acceleration? If you ever drove a stick shift, the clutch always drove people mad. Um, yeah, it was pretty, you know, difficult to essentially learn how to drive a car. But, you know, eventually most people get it. And then after a few years, guess what? I mean, if you drive a car or a truck or whatever you drive, especially if you drive on a freeway, how much of the time that you're driving that car do you have to actually think about everything that you're doing to drive the car? You know, barely 10%, right? Um, you know, most of the, sometimes people go from one place to the other. They're talking on the phone while they're driving. You know, they're doing other things. Sometimes eat a sandwich on the way. Um, you know, you get there from one place to the other safely. And most of the time, you don't even know how you got there, right? There's no real conscious recollection of it. So how, how do you do this? It's a pretty complicated process. You do it simply because you've done it so many times. It's just out of habit. And the truth is, this is exactly how many people live their life. Out of habit, right? They get up in the morning, they have their coffee, they take a shower, they put on their clothes, they go to work, they do what they have to do at work, they come back, they watch TV, they eat their dinner, they you know, maybe read a book, go to bed, they get up in the next morning and then what do they do? The same thing, right? Then you know, some people are tired of it. They're like, I don't like this life. I want to change something. I want to do something different, okay? And then they try to do something different. They try to break a habit. You know, it's, it's the same thing about uh, eating right and exercise. You know, you, you go to, you want to you, uh, set the alarm at six in the, or five in the morning because you're going to go to the gym tomorrow, okay? The alarm goes off. Then what happens? Something else gets in the way, okay? And that's something else. It's called your little voice. And we've talked about this before, but if you don't know what I'm talking about, what the little voice is, it's the thing in your head that's asking you right now, what is the little voice? Okay, that's the little voice I'm talking about. Okay, and this is a concept that comes straight from a book called Little Voice Mastery by Blair Singer. Now, I mentioned this before, but if you haven't read it, it's a great book. But this little voice is something that is extremely or can be extremely damaging if not managed. Because what the little voice sounds like is something like, um, you know, Oh, you know, we're talking about the whole uh, getting up at five in the morning. Oh, I'm tired. I'm too sleepy. You know, it's too cold outside. Or the bed is too warm. Well, maybe I'll work out tomorrow. You know, I worked out two day, two weeks ago. Isn't that enough? You know, things like this. Or if you're trying to, you know, quit your job, start a business, or expand your business, or hire an employee, or do something new, the little voice pops up and says, "Oh, it's too risky. Don't do it. You're not ready yet." Um, maybe you should read a book, maybe learn some more information first, or go, you know, go to a seminar first, or, what, or you know, you know, you're not really experienced enough for this, you know, you're too young for this, or you're too old for this, or you're not smart enough, or you know, whatever the hell it comes up with, okay? The thing is, we all have a little voice, and the question is, how much do we let this, the thing is, <laughs> I guess what I was going to say is that, how much are we even aware of what this little voice is saying to us. My experience is that most people are not even aware that they have a little voice, let alone try to question it. Okay? They just go with what their brain comes up with. 
You know, if it's too risky, if he's scared of it, they're just not going to do it. And the truth is, if you're not aware of it, then you're simply being run by a little voice. And the, th the thing is, you know, where did this little voice come from? How did you get this little voice? Were you born with this thing? All these doubts and fears and anxieties. No, you weren't, right? Because these are driven by something we talked about in a prior episode. Your agreements. Okay, these are the things that live in our subconscious that we've picked up along the way by either listening to other people or, uh, or reading something, watching something. And we agreed with what we heard. You know, somebody says, Investments are risky, you know, everybody loses money in investments and we're like, oh, okay, you know, then we agree with it and then all of a sudden our agreement is investments are risky. So when we try to make an investment, guess what happens? A little voice pops up, you know, investments are risky. And so what we have to do is at all times, we have to start to make ourselves conscious of what is it that our little voice is saying, because if we don't, this little voice is going to become self-sabotaging because these, this little voice is created by the agreements that we picked up along the way. You know, we're not really aware of where we got it from. Many of these agreements came from, you know, people who were part of our growing, uh, growing up process, our parents, our teachers, the kids we hung out with, and the relationships that we had when we were younger, um, the office environment we worked in, um, you know, some people who were influential to us in our lives. And so along the way, we pick up all of these um, pick up this information, develop agreements, that then creates these little voices. And then many of these are actually detrimental to our well-being or in, to our success. And most people are not even aware of it. So the question you have to ask yourself is like, first of all, what is my little voice? Okay. Then if, I, if we all have little voices, so what do I do about it? Okay. There is a way of handling these little voices. The first thing you have to do is you have to at least start to um, condition your brain, right? We've talked about conditioning quite a bit. Conditioning your brain so it starts to become receptive to things that are more conducive to your success, okay? So the first thing that we always recommend to everybody that you should do, and this is something you hear in many other places as well, is focus on gratitude, okay? Simply gratitude. Every morning, wake up, just, you know, write down if you can, five things that you're grateful for in your life. Very simply, five things you're grateful for. You know, you could say, well, I'm grateful I have a warm bed. I'm grateful I have a roof over my head. I'm grateful that I actually have a job or I'm grateful I own a business. I'm grateful that, you know, I have eyes to see, you know, whatever you want to do, it doesn't matter. The point is, get into the habit of expressing gratitude. Why? Why is gratitude so important? Because it's, it sets a filter for the brain. The, point, the brain, I mean, there's so much information coming at us at all times. Our brain can obviously, cannot obviously process all that information, right? So uh, what our brain has to do is it has to get rid of 90, uh, 90 99% of that information and only let only the most relevant information in. So how does the brain decide what is relevant? The brain decides what is relevant by one simple concept. It decides what's relevant based on what you agree with. Why? Because what happens when we have information that we disagree with? How do we feel? We don't feel that great. Okay. When we have information we agree with, how do we feel? We feel better. 
So we like to feel good, we don't like to feel bad. So the brain essentially eliminates everything that we disagree with, um, moves it away from you know, our consciousness, and then you know focuses on things we agree with. So the point is that when you start to do the gratitude process in the morning, right? think of five things that you're grateful for, start with that. What's the brain going to do? If you do it consistently, right? make it part of your conditioning, your brain's then going to look for things that make you feel grateful, that are around you in your life. Then all of a sudden, what happens to your energy level? Right? If you start to see good things in your life, then your energy level starts to go up. You're like, hey, my life's not that bad. Um, so that's the first step. However, you know, that doesn't really take care of everything, but that's simply priming. It's, it's, it's a priming process. Get your brain ready for success. At least start to see the good in your life versus focusing constantly on just picking up what's bad. However, you may still have these little voice issues coming up. So what should you do? I'll give you an example, right? Uh, let's start as, you know, it's easy to pick negative examples. So I'm going to actually flip it and pick like a positive example. So let's say uh, it's about how do you manage your little voice when something good happens? You know, let's say you have a success. Uh, if you're in sales, you close a big deal. Uh, you know, if you're an employee, you either get a raise or you get a, you know, you did a good job on whatever project you had. Or, you know, if you're in business, you your employees are doing great, whatever it is. Or, you know, if you're, I don't care if you're a student, you got like a B plus or an A, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. The, it's, it's very important to evaluate or to even be become aware of how you handle success. What do you do when something good happens? Because we've all been raised to say, hey, you know, don't get too arrogant. Don't think too much uh, of yourself. Um, if you're successful, great, great, but be humble, okay? That is terrible. Why? Because it wastes a valuable opportunity to condition your brain. So what am I talking about here? What I'm saying is that when something good happens, when you have a success, own it. You know, let's say you did something. Tell yourself actively, this only happened because of me. This happened because I'm so great. You know, the presentation went back well because I'm extremely prepared. I'm awesome. I'm the most prepared guy on the planet. Okay? You can exaggerate all you want because there is nothing wrong with bragging to yourself. Okay, don't brag in front of other people, but you can stand in front of a mirror and tell yourself, I did awesome because I'm great. Right? I'm extremely prepared. I did this because I'm really, really good at what I do. Right? And especially if you're doing it yourself, with yourself, there's no harm. You're not harming anybody or making everybody feel bad. But it's very, very important to do this and acknowledge your role and your part in being successful. Why? Because when you do that, what type of conditioning are you giving your brain? What type of conditioning or what type of feedback are you giving yourself? Okay, That you are a person that can be successful, that you are a person that actively created success. Therefore, what does that start to do? Because the thing is, when you do this, you're going to have some little voices pop up. Like, oh, it's not a big deal. You just got lucky. You know, maybe it was a fluke. Or maybe the other guy wasn't that good. Okay? When you start to take um, ownership of success, you're going to have these little voices pop up. Okay? The question for you is then, what do you in that moment? What you do is exactly what we said. You've got to be extremely conscious and take ownership of that success, despite the little voices popping up and saying, oh, it's not a big deal. You know, don't be 
uh, don't brag so much. All the things that you've heard in the past. Why? Because let's say you have a success and you're like, oh, you know, it's not a big deal. Move on. What did he just do? What did he do? Well, most importantly, what did he do to your energy level? You completely ignored a chance to raise your energy. You know, you it kind of you just went sideways. Okay? Because even if you have a small success, it is very important to acknowledge it and almost exaggerate in your mind your role there. I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. I mean, let's say you're watching a basketball game, right? So one of the players goes and scores a basket. It's only two points. What do the players do? They celebrate, right? They high five, slap each other's butt, whatever it is. The coach is like, yeah, 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 go. Why? Because when you celebrate every little thing or even a small success, it raises your energy level. And one of the principles we've talked about is that success requires energy. And the coaches know this because the coaches could be on the flip side and say, hey, it's only two points. Freaking quit this celebrating. We've got three quarters to go. Okay, focus on the game. That could be the attitude of the coach. But if they did that, what would happen to the energy level of the players? It would go down. Okay, and coaches know this really well that the team with the highest energy wins. And it's the same thing is true in life. The people with the highest energy win. Those are the guys that go out there and achieve what they want. And you need a lot of energy to manage your little voice because your little voice is a product of years and years of conditioning. Okay. We've talked about conditioning separately, but that's not what I'm talking about here. What I'm talking about here is simply managing the little voice in the moment. Okay, this isn't about you know, repetition and this and that. That's not what I'm saying here. This is simply about managing your little voice in the moment. And in order to manage that, the first thing you have to do is become conscious. You become conscious of what your little voice is saying to you and what it's doing to your energy level. And then having a plan. This is a plan you got to have before the little voice pops up in your head. And having a plan of what you're going to do when that happens. And one of the great uh, opportunities in life is when you have a success. When you have a success, own it. Okay? Exaggerate your part in it if you have to. Because when you do, you're going to raise your energy level. And going back to it again, the principle never changes. Success requires energy. Make sense? All right. So this is the principle. So after the break, we're going to have Marisa Marse, my co-host in the show, come on. And she's going to give you some examples of the little voices <laughs> she's heard from clients. Some of these can be comical. And how they were getting in the way and how her clients handled it and uh, moved on to great successes. So that's coming on after the break. So And you don't want to miss that. Okay, this is Karen Dillon, host of the show, Live the Dream. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Tune in to the Tony D'Urso Show with key influencers for entertaining and thought-provoking weekly discussions with some of the top stars in their fields. From business, sports, and science to entertainment, music, and literature, Tony's guests share their success and give their wisdom. If you're looking to manifest your vision and see how others have done so, be sure to listen to the Tony D'Urso Show every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel.
You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Welcome back from the break. This is Marie Somerset, co-host of Live the Dream. Before we went on break, we heard from Karen Dillon, host of the show, about managing our little voice so we can have a high level of energy. And why do we want that? Because success requires energy, and people with the highest energy win. And we want to win, don't we? Now, if unmanaged, our little voice can drain us of this much-needed energy and sabotage us on our way to success. So what we need to do is we need to learn how to deal with this right, with the little voice, right at the moment when we're hearing it. We do that in two steps. First, we need to become conscious of it. And then the second step is we need to have a plan. So what I'm going to do today is I'm going to share examples of little voices that drain people of energy and also go into the vicious cycle that they can create and what you can do or what the plan can be to manage them. Okay, so let's start with a very common area where lots of people have little voices that don't serve them. So let's start with the little voices around sales. What they sound like is this. They sound like, I hate sales, or I'm terrible at sales, or I'm not a salesperson, or I don't know how to sell. Now, mind you, these little voices are coming from business owners who have been in business for several years, which means what? It means that they obviously must know how to sell. And they must have sold over and over again to have stayed in business for so long. They can't really be so terrible and must know how to do it enough to get the success they've achieved so far. And even when they're made aware of these facts, people still go on and say something like, well, yeah, I sell, but I'm really not a salesperson. Okay, so the little voice is really persistent in this area. Now, even worse, right, there are little voices around sales that say, well, these proxies are not even gonna, prospects are not even going to buy anyway. They're just going to waste my time. Okay, so how much energy is someone going to have towards the sales effort if they're listening to these little voices, right? How much energy are they going to have during the actual sales presentation? Very little to none, okay, and that won't help at all. It will get them caught up in the cycle of not wanting to prepare for sales meetings, uh, even not wanting to schedule those meetings. And then if they do have them, then they're rushing through the meetings because they think that they're a waste of time anyway. Okay, so how successful do you think those business owners will be in closing enough business to meet their sales goals? Yeah, not very successful. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about where these little voices come from. Okay, when it comes to sales, many people have made agreements that don't serve them at all when it's their own turn to sell. We actually think of examples of bad salespeople, and we typically think about the used car salespeople, right? And we make agreements like these. To be successful at sales, you have to be pushy, or salespeople are sleazy, or salespeople sell you stuff you don't even need, or pushy salespeople sound desperate, or nobody likes salespeople. Okay, so with these agreements, it's actually no wonder that many people don't want to see themselves as salespeople, and they're nervous just even thinking about doing sales. Okay, so how do you manage those little voices? Okay, now for the long-term success, you do want to eventually uh, to change the agreement, 
But in the moment, right, when you're hearing to that little voice, you can actually use some techniques that address it directly and immediately. Okay, so if your little voice says something like, I hate sales, as soon as you write down your revenue goals for the quarter, then here's how I went about it with a client. What we actually used was a variation of a little voice technique called how to debrief and leverage any situation. And this technique can be found in the book that Karen mentioned earlier, and the book is Little Voice Mastery. Okay, so again, that technique is called how to debrief and leverage any situation. What we worked on in this case is we actually used a variation of it. Okay, so without getting into the agreement, I asked this client if there had ever been a sales situation that he had actually enjoyed, that he did not hate. And I really didn't mean ever, right? So when you put it that way, he laughed and said, well, sure. So then I asked them to describe to me all of the details about that situation and why those details had made it enjoyable, right? So what about it had he enjoyed? So I asked them to tell me about the customer, about uh, the environment, meaning where they had the meeting and all of that. His pitch, what did he talk about? Uh, what was the end result and how he felt afterwards. And so once he could clearly remember and visualize that instance, then I asked him, well, about all of that, what worked? So here's what he said. He said something like, well, I didn't feel rushed that day and I could take my time. I went in very calm because of that and had the patience to answer all of their questions. I had fun finding the right solution with them and discussing their options. Uh, in turn, they acted very interested and they seemed very appreciative, and I think that's what he liked the most, is that he felt useful. Okay, so then I asked him, what did you learn from that situation? Right, so he said, well, I guess sales can be fun, right? When I do it that way, when if that's what you're calling sales, then I can get behind that. I like that, right? When I have the time to be myself and share my knowledge and be useful to people, then I won't hate it, right? Then I like that um, environment. Now, and he even said that whether he closes or not, that that experience would be enjoyable, you know, just that process. So lastly, I asked him, okay, so what did you learn about yourself? And he responded, hmm, well, I guess I'm actually good at sales. Okay, so how much more energy do you think he's going to have now when he sets sales goals and his little voice instead of the old one now says something like, you got this, you're great at sales. His energy is going to be much, much higher. And the higher the energy, the more opportunity for success. Okay, and, and on the implementation side, right, working on this little voice actually gave him a lot of clarity also in the implementation side. He was able to clearly identify his idea on clients and his step, um, what his step-by-step -step process should be so that he's always repeating this experience, right? So by studying it this way, by dealing with this way, he actually was able to put together a process that he can replicate and make every sales experience a very enjoyable one, okay? This debriefing technique is actually one of my favorites. I like it because you can apply it to any situation, whether it's been uh, positive or not so positive. And you can whip and, and shape the self-sabotaging little voices very quickly. And on top of that, I think that it adds even more energy because it leaves us with the positive feeling, the positive sense of having learned something. Okay, so to use uh, this debriefing technique yourself, it's a very simple process of asking yourself four questions. So I, I said earlier, I used a variation 
what I'm going to do right now is tell you the, the straightforward way to do it. So question number one, you ask yourself, well, what happened? And you break this question down into two parts. Okay, so you ask yourself what worked and what didn't work. Second question is why? Third question is what did I learn? Right? And the fourth question is what did I learn about myself? So this little debriefing process can help you deal with these little voices. The trick for the last two questions, the one about what did I learn and what did I learn about myself, is that you continue asking until you get the real lesson. Okay, you can't just stop at something silly like, oh, because I'm a loser or because I don't know what I'm doing. Okay, that's not going to help you. You keep going until you actually get the real lesson. Okay, and here's another question that I add sometimes. Okay, add, add after all that. Well, what am I going to do differently next time? Okay, so what this question does is it eliminates the thought that this one time, if it was positive, was just a fluke, right? Or if it's a negative, that it will keep happening. All right, with this technique, you can manage little voices like, I'm terrible at this, meaning like forever, or I will never get good at this, or this always goes wrong for me, right? And other types of uh, little voices around that, okay? Now, I also want to share what to do about the little voices that come up when people think about their to-do lists, okay? In dealing with clients, and I'm dealing with uh, very busy business owners, and when they come uh, to us at the beginning of coaching, they're wearing every single hat in their business, right? So they go through the motions of making the to-do list, but they don't actually get traction. They don't get them done, okay? They add absolutely great ideas to these lists, right? That if they were to implement them, they could turn their business around dramatically, yet they don't, right? And some of these tasks could even require just a little bit of time, like a few minutes, right? But they don't happen, okay? So we've already talked about the gap between knowing and doing, and how knowing something is not enough. Okay, so what we need to do is let's get a little bit into the agreements that people have um, or that they tend to have around to-do lists, right? One big agreement is around time, and it sounds like there's just not enough time. Or there's another agreement of I will never catch up. So these are the agreements, okay? But today we're dealing with the little voices that come up in the moment. So from these agreements, the little voices that come up sound like these. Well, what's the point? You'll never get it done. Sure, write it down, but you'll never get to it. Okay, or even my to-do list is a joke. You can see these little voices. Uh, you can see how easily they would drain energy from anyone, right, and contribute to this attitude of like, well, what's the point, right? Great idea, yeah, but what's the point? And these actually come up not just at the individual level. Okay, they come up at the team level as well. So it's something to be aware of in, um, in your company. Uh, working with uh, the leadership team of one of my clients, we were addressing the challenge that they have in finishing internal initiatives, right? So they start, but they don't finish them. And they're a team of very loyal, motivated, and responsible people. They want to finish, right? Yet they have trouble doing it, right? And they were very stuck in, in figuring out how to fix it, right? They had tried different uh, time management strategies. They had tried different meeting agendas. They had tried different meeting schedules, but nothing was working. Okay, so when we talked, it was obvious that they were tired, right? That they had very little energy left to tackle new things, let alone finish them. What was interesting was learning where this uh, came from. This lack of energy didn't come just from having many things to do. Sure, that was true, right? But that's actually a, a, a simpler thing to fix. But it wasn't just that. They were disillusioned. 
Okay, so their, their low level of energy over a long period of time had caused them to be disillusioned. Okay, they were disillusioned by not meeting previous goals. Right? This feeling went far back and it had accumulated right, from unaccomplished goal to unaccomplished goal. Their little, voices, uh, their little voice was almost identical. Like, what's the point? Right? They literally said that when, when uh, they completed their strategic plans and agreed to their action items. Well, sure, it sounds great, but what's the point? We won't ever get any of this done. Right? So those are the little voices that come up. Okay. Now, when energy is this low, even the simplest task will feel overwhelming. And when somebody's little voice keeps saying, you never finish what you start, even the most dedicated people will lose excitement quickly. Maybe even as soon as they walk out of the meeting or as soon as they write it down and they get discouraged almost immediately. Okay. So what can you do when you have a history of failed or unaccomplished goals? Okay. There's a technique for this. And what it's called is it's called the failed goal technique. And again, this is from the book that we mentioned from Little Voice Mastery. Okay. So what you do is this. You start by restating the goal that you didn't reach. Okay, and then you make a written list of everything that you actually did do, everything you did accomplish while trying to reach the goal. Okay, most people don't even bother acknowledging, acknowledging that they did get done uh, stuff in the process. Okay, so pay attention to where your energy resurfaces. You will notice that you may have accomplished an unacknowledged goal of equal or even greater importance than the original goal you set out to do. And this will help you gain the energy back to set a new goal and move on. Okay, so for example, the team that we were talking about had set a goal of creating a training program, but had not accomplished it. Yet, they actually could write on their list that they had finished writing the job descriptions for all the positions involved. They had finished the high-level, kind of big-picture process that they wanted to follow. And they had also finished creating the document structure and um, organizational structure they would follow. Okay, so they had done some stuff. Okay, so acknowledging these smaller but important goals, renew them of energy and allow them to set the next goal for the training program. And again, in the implementation side, dealing with a little voice also allowed them to have the, get the clarity about the specific circumstances that made those smaller goals possible, right? Anywhere from the size of the goal or the timeline they gave themselves or the environment that they were in or the process they followed, etc. So they were re-energized um, to, to set another goal because they actually realized that they do accomplish things. They just had to look at it in a different way and adjust accordingly. Okay, so wrapping up this segment, I want to finish up by covering um, another very common type of little voice. And this is the one that lies to us. And it lies to us over and over again and it makes problems global. Okay, what I mean by that is this. Um, has this ever happened to you? You get turned down for one project, right? One project, yet your little voice says something like, I never get the projects I want, right? Or maybe you interview a great candidate, but he doesn't even show up on the first day. And your little voice says something like, this always happens to me. Or maybe one client, right? One client isn't happy. And your little voice says, oh, I'm always misunderstood. Oh, and you know what? This doesn't just happen at work. It happens to me with friends and family. Why do I even bother talking to people? You may hear these and think that I'm exaggerating or they may sound like exaggerations, but be honest, right? Haven't you had something negative happen to you that ruined your entire day or even week because of this negative kind of um, 
uh, global self-talk, right? In this case, what you have to do, it's actually pretty simple, but you have to be very disciplined about doing it right away and every time. So what you have to do is tell yourself to stop, right? Acknowledge that the statement that you're making is not true because it's not always or not never, right? Realize that your little voice is lying to you and stop, okay? Then isolate that incident. Stack the evidence in your favor and tell yourself that this is exactly what this is, just one isolated incident, but it doesn't have to go and trickle into everything else. I say it to yourself out loud many times. This is the key, um, or this is when repetition is actually key. Okay, so now it's time for our next break. Uh, and when we come back, my co-host, uh, co-host Tom uh, Pearson, is going to share examples of little voices that he has helped his client um, manage. So see you after the break. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You have a message. You want to share that message. You want it to be social, to go viral, and spread across the planet. But how do you get started? Tune in to Amplify, featuring host Ken Roshan. This show is here to help you take that message and channel it through the most effective marketing techniques to not only be successful, but have a positive impact on the world. Tune in live Monday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. And get Amplified. Change starts here. Change starts now. Join us, the Voice America Influencers Channel. You are listening to Live the Dream. To reach the show live today, please call in to 1-866-472-5795. That's 1-866-472-5795. Or send an email to Karen. That's K-A-R-A-N at thecontractorscoach.com. Now, back to Live the Dream. Hello, this is Tom Pearson, and welcome back to Live the Dream. I am a master business coach with The Contractors Coach. And in this segment, the first thing I want you to do is remember that your little voice is coming from an agreement or a belief that you have. Okay, it's the voice in our head of that particular belief or agreement. And the little voice happens in the moment. What I mean by that is it's triggered by some situation that just happened. Okay, for example, it could be a good outcome just happened, or it could be a bad outcome just happened. Even could be something that hasn't happened yet, but we are thinking about it right now and it's stressing you out. It's causing you a lot of worry. And there are many other types of situations that happen, and these situations happen frequently every day, every week. So the little voice that we want to silence is this little voice. It's the one that is not constructive and empowering. Rather, it's negative or it's questioning you or doubting. And so it creates fear and worry and doubt, which of course reduces your confidence level and your energy level. So let's get started. I'm going to change the names of the clients that I'm referring to to protect their privacy. So with that said, let's get started with the first one. The first contractor that I'm going to talk about today, let's call him Dave. 
So in meeting with Dave and all my contractors, actually, at the very beginning of every coaching session, we ask a simple question. Uh, and the question is directed to get them to just tell us what's on their mind for about 60 seconds, just what's on spinning in your head right now. So this particular coaching session, Dave said that he was angry and mad and frustrated about a situation that happened uh, the day before. And um, I said, all right, okay, good. So tell me about that situation. It sounds like it was something very terrible because you're still dwelling on it. Uh, and so he went ahead and told me the situations with that. Uh, and uh, it was apparent to me that this has really got into Dave's head. It was really taking him out of his game. I was taking his mind off of what he needed to do to have more success because he was just dwelling on this negative situation. So when I asked Dave specifically what he said or how he reacted to that bad outcome, that the bad result that he had got the day before, well, he said that he was, what did he do about it? He said that he just left work. He's decided that, and this has been his MO is that when something goes wrong and he gets upset about it, he decides it's the end of the day, day's over. He can't deal with it and he knows that he's, his anger is only going to make things worse with whomever he talks to after that and that it takes him, he can't think and, and focus and be productive. So he just decides to go home and uh, take the rest of the day off. He's lost all the productivity, of course, for the remainder of the day. So he goes home, maybe drinks a few beers, and hopes to try to forget about it, put his mind on something else, hoping that when he wakes up the next morning, he'll be okay. You know, he'll be over it, uh, which I, apparently wasn't the case, right? So here he is in my coaching session telling me how hot he still is about that situation. So I said, specifically, what, what does your little voice say to you when you're in that situation? He says, well, basically... I tell myself that, uh, you know, this thing always happens. Um, this is never going to work. Um, you know, I'm a fool for having counted on this or trusted people, trusted that the customer was going to say yes. Um, so uh, they're stupid. I'm stupid. Um, this just isn't going well. It's never going to work. And he goes down that path that pathway of thought. So you can imagine what, how destructive that is to Dave's confidence and his energy level, right? But that's what was going on. That's the little voice that was happening in Dave's head. Um, and it was, you know, obviously he was losing production. He was, he was not able to immediately get into doing something new. And that's what we had told us, what I told him, this is what's gotta happen, Dave. You've gotta find a way to manage your little voice. What happens when that little voice comes up? What do you do about it? It's a very negative little voice, isn't it? He said, yes. Well, you haven't figured out how to manage it, and it's controlling you and your actions right now in not a good way. So what can we do to change that? Well, the first thing you have to understand is when you have those little voices, those negative little voices, you have to tell it to stop. I mean, literally, out loud, stop. I may make you look a little psycho if somebody else is looking around at you and hears you, but you have to shut that voice up and literally tell it to stop as many times as it takes. Then you need to shift. And so that's what we did with Dave. Shift your thinking. Now, what does that mean? 
That means saying things to yourself that allows you not to take that loss of business so personally, not to attack yourself. The worst thing you can do is attack yourself. Give yourself a beat down. There's nobody who can destroy your confidence more than you, okay? So we have to manage what we are saying to ourselves, such as, you know, hey, I wasn't aware that they had another option or that they were not uh, understanding the value of what I bring. Um, and I'm not, and because of that, it's not all because of me or it's not all my responsibility that it didn't work. That's a start, okay? You've got to attribute the negative outcome to some source outside of yourself. You have to distance yourself from it so that you don't take it personally so that you don't allow it to destroy your self-confidence and your ego, okay? So you need to say, hey, that's an isolated incident. You know, it's the kind of thing that only happens every once in a while. It's no big deal. There are plenty of opportunities in front of me still. The next one I'm going to get, um, I'm going to start working on that right now, and I'm going to get it. This is not going to ruin my day or my week. Um, you know, I've got another call to make. It's a whole new page. I'm starting over. And I'm done with that situation. These are the kinds of responses or to, you need to have to your little voice when your little voice is telling you, you screwed up, you blew it, you're no good, okay? You're not going to make it in business, all right? And that's what we had to do with Dave. Now, Dave started using that and never again, first of all, did he lose a day of work because something happened in the morning or whatever and that was not good and he got pissed off about it and, and called and, and, and left work. Uh, so he now is using these kinds of responses to himself, saying them to himself, sometimes even out loud if he needs to really convince himself because, you know, emotionally you're going to have a response. There's no doubt about it. As soon as something bad comes in and if it mattered to you, the outcome mattered to you, of course you're going to have a letdown. Of course you're going to be frustrated or bitter or angry um, and so forth. That's natural. But the question is how long do you stay in that state of mind? Okay, it may be the first reaction that you have. Okay, and that's understandable. You're a human being. You have emotions. But the question is, it's on you after that. How long do you stay there? How long do you lie in those emotions, those negative Energy, energy sucking, confidence draining emotions. You shouldn't lay there long. And that's what happened with Dave. That's the turnaround Dave made. And so as a result, of course, Dave's got a much more positive state of mind. He doesn't let himself dwell in those negative spaces, mental spaces, and with the little voice just carrying on and on and on. You know, I always talk about people, hey, it's like a radio station. You know, if you turn on your radio in your car and you hear uh, a song that you don't like, okay, do you continue to listen to it or do you change the channel or station? You change it, right? Same thing on TV. You go home, you turn on the TV, and if there's a program on there that you don't like, what do you do? Do you sit there and just listen to it or watch it until it's done? No, you change. You change the station, right? That's what we're talking about here is being able to change your station, change your channel to what you are listening to and redirect your mind into something that is much more positive and away from all that chatter and all that little voice that is so destructive, 
Um, it goes typically because it's so destructive, typically because it goes beyond just the situation that you're upset about. It, you start to globalize it, as we say, and start to make it about more than just one situation. It's more about you yourself and your whole, who you are, how good you are, how successful you may not become, you may be fail in your business. It goes on and on and on. And that's the worst of it. It's is that it just continues to echo. And as long as you listen to it, with every passing second, it continue, continuously erodes your confidence. So that's the first situation there with Dave and his ability to address that nasty little voice of his and to redirect it, you know, to consciously, purposefully redirect your feelings and your thoughts to something much more constructive, maybe to a, a, a win that you just had, something that just went well. Think about that. Shift your mind onto something that went well, a positive outcome. Okay, or the opportunity for more positive outcomes. If you just get going and, and start to work on some other things and push those things forward, you're going to get some good wins. They're there. So that's what Dave did. And it really certainly made a big difference in his ability to stay focused and stay productive. My second example is quite the opposite of Dave. Uh, this example is with a contractor named Bill. Now, Bill had sort of the opposite problem, meaning that when things did go well for Bill, when he did get a good result, a good outcome, like a win, like he got a new account or a new, a new signed contract, he would never celebrate it. He didn't see the need to do that. His little voice told him, hey, that's what was supposed to happen. Don't be silly. No need to celebrate. Okay? I expected that to happen. That was supposed to happen. Sometimes he would even say, I got lucky. No, that was real lucky. So, those kinds of little voices, while they don't seem maybe that negative um, on the outside, on the inside they actually are, um, meaning that there's so much more that Bill could have been getting out of the successes that he was having in terms of energy and confidence, but he was walking right past it, okay, literally walking right past it, didn't want to dwell on a win. Okay, and what that meant and how encouraging that was or felt um, and how, what that could mean in terms of his future success. No, he just went right by it like it didn't really matter. And it was a missed opportunity. I point out to all my clients that you've got to celebrate your wins. It's, an, it's two reasons, two big reasons, of course, we've said. Your confidence grows and so does your energy. You need both to be successful. So those were the issues that Dave was having. I was talking to him, and of course, like I said, you know, he was, hey, that's silly. I don't think that's necessary. What's the point? I said, well, Dave, let me ask you this. At the end of your day, do you often feel like you had more wins or more losses? He said, more losses. Uh, okay. And if we were to actually take score of your wins and losses, do you think that the actual score would be more favorable? than the score in your head, the one that you sort of somewhat keep track of in your head. He said, probably. I said, I'll tell you, it is. There's no doubt. The reason is because when you don't celebrate your wins, you just walk right past them as if they didn't happen. It's, you don't register a win to your subconscious mind. It does not register a win. 
But boy, when you lose, how do you treat that? Well, I get bitter and angry and frustrated. Of course you do. All right? Of course. You have an emotional response when you lose, and it's pretty strong. Your emotional response when you win also needs to be equally as strong in the positive way, of course, right? So that way it registers on your subconscious mind's scoreboard that you are actually winning. You're winning. In fact, you're winning more than you're losing. Because if you were losing a whole lot more than you were winning, you probably wouldn't be in business right now. Okay, you'd be, you'd be, uh, <laughs> you'd be working for somebody else again, right? So you have to do the job. You have to really consciously train yourself to recognize a win and to treat it like a win. And by that, and using the little voice mastery techniques, um, to do so, what you have to do is, first of all, acknowledge that you got the win, right? Hey, that's great. I got it. I'm excited. And, um, and use the uh, little voice technique. You use a, 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 uh, the same sort of body movement and the same sort of vocal um, expression every time. Okay, every time. In the book, it's, yes, that's the way they, they suggest you do it. You push your, you pull your arms, put your arms out, pull them back in, pull it in like you're pulling the wind in, and yes, yes, and you do that. And I guarantee you, if you do that, your energy level will spike when you do that. Your subconscious mind registers that something great just happened. Okay, something really good just happened, and of course, it then sends all the chemicals in your brain going and all that, and it kind of gives you this boost. It's like having a sh shot of caffeine. It's like having a shot of espresso right there in the moment. You pick up energy, and of course, then as you continue the conversation with yourself, okay, you start to say, hey, this is great. This is exactly what I wanted. It just shows me that this is, and it, this is what's, that everything's going well. I'm doing all the right things. This is going to be a great day. It's going to be a great week. I'm going to have an excellent breakthrough year. It's going to be great. I'm on the right track. I'm winning. I'm going to have a successful business. You globalize the win. You make it more than just about the win, the, the event, whatever that was. You actually expand on it, okay? As opposed to when things don't go right, as I spoke about earlier with Dave, where when things don't go right, you minimize it as fast as you can. You, you minimize it and, 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 and make it small, really, really quick and you know, inconsequential. But a win, you do the opposite with. When something goes right, you blow it up, okay? You make it bigger and you take more from it as signs that everything's going great. That's how you address a win. And that's what Bill did. And I tell you what, you know, what's interesting about Bill is that he was shy to start it. He was shy to start with it. He felt it was, you know, kind of silly, the, the whole yes thing and everything. It felt silly to him. I said, I know it does. It does for almost everybody. Just do it. If you do it enough times, the silliness wears off and it gets, because what you get, which is the positive sort of, you know, response in your body of confidence and of energy is, is more than worth it, right? You'll, you'll forget about how silly that used to feel and you'll just be loving the good feelings that you're getting when you do this. So he began to do that and he actually started to do it with his kids, um, not the same yes, but when they had good results or whatever, something good at home happened, he would high five them. And boy, did they love that. You know how kids love that, right? It's the same sort of concept. You know, you're recognizing when something good happens. And so he started doing that with his kids. And then the sort of the, the next and probably the most difficult transa uh, transition was doing it with 
his employees at work. See, because they all knew Dave, I mean Bill, they all knew that Bill was not the type of guy to, to, to celebrate anything that went well. So and most of the time that I work with clients and they do not celebrate their own successes, I ask them, what do you do when somebody else wins? What do you do when something goes, when one of your employees does something right? How much do you celebrate that? Well, what do you think the answer is? No, not much, right? Because if they're not in the habit of celebrating their own wins, they're also very likely not in the habit of celebrating the wins of their employees, which is a miss, a big missed opportunity to not do that. Because everybody else could use and benefit from Bill's celebration, from Bill recognizing uh, that somebody did something well and bringing it to their attention and thanking them for that and celebrating with them, it gives a huge energy boost to that individual. And culturally, just all the, all the other people around feed off of that positive energy. They feed off knowing that positive things are happening. So Bill just got addicted to this. Once he started to try once he tried it and sort of began to use it for himself first, okay, and then began to use it with his family second, and then brought it into this habit into using it with his employees. And yes, employees initially were looking at him a little cross-eyed, right? What got into Bill? What, what the heck happened to him? You know, this is different. This is unusual. He's not like this. But, you know, like everything, Bill had, you know, he felt awkward about it and, and apprehensive to start doing this with his employees. But I said, Bill, it will feel different. People will notice the difference. They may even say something to you like, you know, hey, what's going on with you? Um, but just realize they like it. They enjoy it. It's just different. So they're kind of going to question it a little bit at first, but they're going to get used to it once they know it's just, there's a reason you're doing it and it's a change, a decision you've made to change the way you you handle things, um, positive things, and, um, and, and they're going to love it. They're going to embrace it, and they have. And so the whole culture in his company has changed. It's become so much more positive, so much more encouraging. People are positive, more positive about themselves, but they're also, also everybody's participating in each other's successes. So they've got a culture now that they've built around celebrating each other's wins, each other's successes. And I tell you what, it's contagious. It's a contagious type of culture and type of feeling that can happen in a company. And it really boosts morale and productivity and least to say profit. So that's, that's Bill's situation. Thank you for tuning in to Live the Dream. Please join Karen Dillon along with Tom Pearson and Marissa Marseille for another program next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Influencers Channel. Have a dream living week. 